So, good morning. Welcome to day three already from the ITF Academy. Hope you had a good sleep. I didn't see many of you on the dance floor last night. Where were you? I was there. <sighs> Then you can do it. Um, today, of course, we will start here again this morning. In the afternoon, we will have the two sessions. It will all be in this building, so don't leave. Um, and in the later afternoon at 3.30, maybe people signed up already, but I think it's a really recommendation. It's uh, Sean McAllister, especially here for you. It's a great director for Syrian Love Story. And he will do a really small session and talk to you about the way he approaches his, ma his characters and how he has a human relationship within very political films. So I think it's a good opportunity that he also shares his, uh, his experience with you. So you can sign up for that. Um, I would really like to introduce you to Liz and Kristen who are here uh, for us because I think you've seen some films now and we talked about yesterday about sound in film but of course you need money to make films and this is the session where we get some insight in different ways of uh, financing your film and especially crowdfunding. So welcome and um, the floor is yours. Thank you. Thank you. Good morning everybody. Hi guys. My name is Liz Cook. Um, I work with film at Kickstarter. And I'm Kristen Conrads. I work with film at Indiegogo, both so, in New York. Yeah. So just sort of a show of hands, I was curious, like, how many of you guys, if any of you, have um, thought about or run projects on either Kickstarter or Indiegogo? Oh, wow. Cool. Awesome. Um, so, also, how many of you are familiar with or have maybe backed or supported a project on either platform? Okay, Even awesome. better. <laughs> so, so, we can see uh, that we're speaking to a relatively seasoned crowd, um, and I, um, I'm really excited to talk today. It's the first time that we've actually done a talk together. Really. Yes. Um, <laughs> But I want to also make sure that it's very much like a conversation with you all and that um, we're able to effectively speak to any questions and um, ideas that you guys were bringing to the floor as well. So at any point, um, feel free to interrupt us and um, ask questions. And then we'll also have plenty of time at the end for any follow-ups. So with that... Um, my, we, we were kind of thinking um, we would run through some basics uh, fairly quickly in the beginning and then we were both going to dive into a couple of case studies, um, particularly focusing on um, how to effectively use these platforms as tools of finding your audience and sort of engaging a community around your work. So let's see if I can pull this up. Um, Kickstarter um, is really, we describe it as sort of a place where people come together to create something to share with others. Um, this is me. Uh, actually, this is, you know, a couple weeks old, and I have, I've just backed um, quite a few projects at this point. I, it almost is just like showing you that I have a problem more than it is impressive or anything. But um, the majority of, of stuff that I'm excited to support is really documentary film, Um, I come from a film background. Um, I've made a couple of strange short documentaries uh, in my time and um, then went to do distribution for a while. 
Um, I, I now head up um, documentary film specifically at Kickstarter, so I work with filmmakers directly on how to best use this platform as um, a way to both you know, raise some funds for their projects, but also to figure out a way to connect with their audience in a more meaningful way. So just very quickly, Kickstarter, um, we, we, our scope really is for creative projects only. Um, we've defined creative pretty broadly, but um, it essentially has to have, um, it has to fit within 15, one of 15 categories. As you can see, they're all quite diverse, film and video being one of them, um, and the one that I focus on. And we're um, almost six years old. Uh, we'll be six this spring. And we've seen about 90,000, over 90,000 projects um, in those six years fund. Um, and actually, like, about a month ago, we passed the $2 billion mark, which was a pretty exciting landmark for us. Um, this is $2 billion pledged to supporting those creative projects, um, especially sort of in a time when everybody's saying, you know, all the the funding and everything is um, you know getting cut and you know art is kind of like the last thing that people are supporting it's cool to see that actually people really do care and and you know two billion dollars uh, later we've seen um, tens of thousands of really incredible things come to life and um, people are supporting these projects from really all over the world nearly every country um, on Earth has had at least uh, one supporter and all seven continents, including one guy in Antarctica who just backs tons of projects all the time. He has a lot of time on his hands. Yeah, he has a lot of time. Um, yeah, so, you know, we've seen over 9.6 million total backers. 30% of those people have pledged to more than one project, so we're really seeing sort of a community that's being fostered on the site and this kind of speaks to it, 60% um, of all the money is coming from that repeat backer group. Um, we, over the last six years, have seen you know, more than the dollars and the, the numbers of people there. Um, what I find to be most interesting is the relative impact on culture that we've had. Um, We've seen um, several uh, films be nominated for Oscars, one of which taking, took home um, an Academy Award for this short film, Innocente. We've seen filmmakers, um, sorry, we've seen project creators uh, come up with really innovative, interesting, um, un unusual uh, ways of addressing some of the world's issues like this this is a low-cost land de uh, mine detonator that um, this really incredible engineer came up with uh, the or a copy of it is in the MoMA in New York as a part of their permanent collection have any of you guys played with the three doobler before it's super fun. It's maybe it's a really good idea for a Christmas gift. Actually, I'm just thinking about that. But it's um, <laughs> it's just you know it's a 3D printing pen that um, heats up plastic and you can sort of live create things. It's very fun. Um, these Dutch artists came together with a community in Rio to repaint this favela, and over a dozen uh, things have launched projects have launched things into space. 
um, including a slice of pizza at the end of like a rocket ship. So like big, big things are happening on Kickstarter. Um, you know, there, the reason we kind of attribute a lot of, um, I'm trying to think of how, how much, how in-depth we should really go. Um, <laughs> we'll, we'll have a lot of time to sort of talk about the nuts and bolts through the case study, so I think actually I might skip through a couple of these slides pretty quickly. But essentially, um, on, on Kickstarter specifically, um, we really ask for three things from project creators one of which is it has to fit within one of the 15 categories. So assuming that uh, the vast majority of you guys are filmmakers or producers, um, it would make sense that your project would go under film. But um, we've seen actually a lot of projects sort of blend different types of um, art and mediums so you can really decide what category fits best uh, based off of what you're putting together. Um, we ask that projects are clearly presented and sort of transparent with what you're doing. And um, on Kickstarter, uh, projects can't raise funds for charity. Um, you can't offer financial incentives, uh, so like no equity or anything like that. And um, we have a sort of a list of pretty standard uh, prohibited items it's like anything that you would imagine would be prohibited, like you can't offer guns or drugs and like things like, it's very like simple stuff that you would imagine. Um, so this is basically what a project page looks like. We'll go into more detail um, with our case studies. Um, so Kickstarter, I guess I'll go back. This is really funny to try and skip through. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Kickstarter uh, is all or nothing, meaning you have to set a, a goal, a financial goal. You set a duration. Um, and um, how many of you guys are familiar with the all or nothing model? Okay, cool. So I'll breeze through that. But essentially, um, that's a requirement on Kickstarter. Um, we, we use it for a couple of reasons, one of which, well, the short answer is that it really works. Um, it really brings together um, a community of people sort of rally, there's like a rallying cry to sort of reach this goal and um, it's, it provides less risk for the project creator. Um, if you are you know, trying to screen your film, you know it's gonna cost you 10K to a uh, four wall theater. Um, you only were able to raise 3K but you promised all those people tickets you're kind of in a tough spot to come up with the last seven. Um, and as a contributor, you know all your dollars are going, your dollars are only gonna go to a project um, where the, the creator is sort of being put in the best possible position to, to do what it is that they said that they need to do. Um, and lastly, it's really compelling. I mean, I, th I think that there's a real um, truth to the sort of sense of urgency and the narrative behind um, coming together as a community to make something happen, and if it doesn't happen, um, this thing just might not exist at all. And I, I think it's important to show a slide like this, and I don't know if this is similar <laughs> in, in um, your world there, but like it's the, the projects that you often hear about in the news um, for Kickstarter are usually like the blockbuster sort of standout projects, 
but really the majority of projects on the site, um, specifically for film as well, are raising between one and 10K. So it's definitely still a portion of the overall financing. Um, and, and that's a really important part that we'll, we'll talk about a little bit um, further on. Yeah, just thoughts? to chime in. Yeah, same with us. I mean, the, it's always the thing you hear about is these giant campaigns and everyone kind of associates like, oh, well, if they can do it, I can raise a million dollars as well. But it's really important to keep things in perspective um, that most campaigns are not raising, you know, $500,000 and above. Um, but that, you know, you have everything from student films, short films, documentaries, um, and, you know, narrative films that are raising, you know, anywhere from 1000 to $100,000 that are using that to fund other parts of financing, first money in, last money in, that kind of stuff, where um, it's just a portion of the budget, so you don't necessarily have to go in thinking with these blockbuster ideas that you're going to raise a huge amount of money. Like, think about it at, in a more conservative way that this is going to be a part of your budget and going to then fuel other things to happen. So try and, try and keep it in perspective. Yeah, I always think it's kind of funny when we get put on the alternative financing <laughs> panel because it really just, it is an alternative. It is just an additional financing. Um, so uh, it's just something to keep in mind. So film um, specifically, uh, there's been a lot of activity in film in the last six years on Kickstarter. It's one of our biggest categories, so we have a lot happening. Um, this is, again, this is just even like a couple weeks old and it's already out of date. Like it's almost more than, um, it's 19, more than 19,000 successfully funded film projects, way more than 300 million pledged. Um, we've seen a sort of significant uptick in the amount of films that we see through major festivals. I'm sure it's the same with Indiegogo. Um, you know, like last year at South by Southwest in Austin, Texas, one out of every three films in the competition were Kickstarter funded. Um, we've seen seven Oscar nominations and a third of the Oscar shortlist for documentary last year. So it's really kind of becoming part of the landscape in a pretty significant way. And here at IDFA. Yeah, we have six films, and I believe you have ten, I think. Yeah, yeah. Um, again, so, like, with that in mind, um, 10,000 is the average funding goal um, for film projects on Kickstarter. Um, 12K is the average, is the average um, amount raised. And I think that's important. So there's, you know, 279 projects out of the total of projects um, for film have raised more than 100K. Maybe we should skip these and go to our case studies or we can swap. Sure. You want to swap? Uh, yeah. Okay. How do we do this? I don't know. Kim? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, guys. We're... There we go. <laughs> All right, so just a quick intro about Indiegogo. Um, we've also been around for about six years, um, based in San Francisco. We offer crowdfunding for everything. That's probably a major difference between us and Kickstarter over here. Um, pretty much anything you want to fund, you can fund. Creative projects, entrepreneurial, nonprofit as well, um, creative causes, um, sorry, causes, um, starting a business, anything like that, pretty much the whole gamut of funding. 
Um, and just quickly. So when you think of crowdfunding, I think everyone thinks, show me the money. That's, you know, a way to get soft money to finance your film, but it really is a way to do so much else. Um, there are many benefits of running a crowdfunding campaign that kind of go beyond the money and really get you kind of engaged with your audience and the ability to uh, connect with people aside from just raising the money. So what are those benefits? Building your audience. Um, so actually starting to build people around your film and your project way in advance of it ever kind of seeing a movie theater or a film festival and really keeping those people engaged and ideally through the entire life cycle of the film and beyond to your next project. Engaging fans. Um, so if you have an existing fan base, being able to tap into that and get them to support your project, um, get them spreading the word and really utilizing them to get your project out there. Building buzz, again, um, getting attention for your project way before it ever hits a film festival. Validating your concept. So I would say a lot of projects are probably a little outside the box that tend to pursue crowdfunding. It's a way to really keep the keys in the hand of the filmmaker, um, take away the gatekeepers, and really kind of have the filmmaker in the driver's seat. So, you know, if you have something that's a little kind of edgy outside the box, best way to kind of show people that you have an audience for this is to do a campaign so that you can show people that there is an audience and you know where to find them, you know where to access them, and you're the right person to kind of make this project to represent that minority. Collecting data. Um, so a great thing about writing a campaign on any platform um, is you're going to be able to know where your audience is. What country do they live in? What social media do they go to? Are they on Facebook? Are they on Twitter? Are they on Tumblr, Instagram, whatever it might be? Um, and what publications they're reading, blogs, uh, newspapers, whatever it might be. You know exactly how many people are coming from those places and how much money it actually converted to. So you could use it theoretically later on when you actually release your movie to tap back into those places where you had the most traffic and be able to really target um, exactly where your audience is instead of going, you know, kind of just going broad and trying to figure it out from there. You really have the hard data that you can utilize off of that. And then, of course, raising money. Um, that's always nice. You can always use that. <laughs> so how do you do it? Pitch. So we talked a little bit about goals and necessarily um, kind of being realistic with how you're going to set it um, and how much money you can actually raise. So you always, people always tend to go in with, okay, well, if I set a higher goal, um, you know, I'm going to raise $500,000. Um, one difference between us and Kickstarter is that we do have flexible funding and fixed funding. I would say the majority of filmmakers that end up on Indiegogo actually choose flexible funding um, so that they can keep whatever money they raise. So you should, regardless of funding status, um, choose which, um, sorry, <laughs> choose a goal uh, that's going to be realistic for what you want. Setting a higher goal doesn't necessarily mean you're going to raise more money. So take a look at this. We call this the bar effect. Which one looks like it's raised more money? Even though the goal on the first one is $50,000, 
and the second one is 150, they both raise the same amount exactly. But the one that has a $150,000 goal gives the psychological impression that it's raised less. So setting your goal conservatively, regardless of funding method, um, is going to give you more success in the end. Because the more, the closer you get to your goal and the more funds you get, the, more it's, the easier it's going to be for you to actually hit your goal and surpass it. Video. Um, should I pass this or <laughs> quickly touch, touch on it? or Go for it, yeah. I okay. think that we can do it. Maybe we could both show a video? Sure, yeah. Okay. Um, so the video. Pretty straightforward. Um, doesn't have to be fancy. Doesn't have to have bells and whistles. What it has to have is who, what, where, when, why, how. What are you doing? Tell your story. Keep it short. Everyone's got really short attention spans these days. So you definitely want to be concise, get to the point, make it interesting. Try and stay under three minutes. Um, and the best thing to do at the end, call to action. You have to tell people exactly what they need to do, which is contribute to your campaign. So I'll show a quick one, and then Liz will show one as well. Sorry, that's a really ugly image, but I did it right before and didn't know how to fix it. <laughs> Hi, I'm Kevin Kurzlick, director of As I Am, The Life and Times of DJ Am, a documentary on the open format pioneer. Sneakerhead, groundbreaking DJ, poster board for sobriety, Adam Michael Goldstein, a.k.a. DJ AM, was a force of nature. Overcoming a monumental amount of adversity throughout his entire life to become one of the most influential DJs on the planet, AM changed the course of music history forever. We recently premiered an early cut of As I Am at the Tribeca Film Festival and also at Hot Docs in Toronto. Up to this point, the film has been completely self-financed. And as we get to the stage where more significant costs kick in, such as music licensing and distribution, we're launching an Indiegogo campaign to bring As I Am down the home stretch. Oh, yeah. All right. My man, how's it feel to be the best DJ in the world right now? We got a special guest tonight. I wouldn't know. We've got to find the best DJ in Wherever it goes, I just kind of go with the flow. And God's been real good to me so far, you know. I just, I like just having a good time and playing the music. The DJ was really this digital shaman. He acted like a mad scientist. With the dance floor, he was the puppet master. That's where the soul comes from. He was definitely a hip-hop master. He was a rock star. His passion for it was like that. It's more than that, man. This motherfucker had that shit to love. Everyone stop and just listen to him get hyped on music. I'm a DJ. That's what I do. That's what I've kind of always done. Anything he does, theme. Turntable, theme. Eating, theme. Dress, theme. Fucking theme. He just liked to do things in excess. He's like the great Gatsby, the big vocal point at the party. The next thing you know, he's gone. He's out of there. He's... Like a mystery. Several years ago, I was welcomed into the fold when AM's mother, Andrea, gave me his laptops and journal and asked me to make a documentary about her son. Now I'd like to extend that invitation to you. You can become part of the film family. Of course, no film about DJM would be complete without his iconic mixes and mashups. 
and your contribution helps keep those mixes intact. It also has another benefit. It enables us to distribute the film directly to you. We have heaps of rewards and one-of-a-kind collectibles, but the one I'm most grateful to share with you is the film itself, as I am, the life and times of DJ AM. Thank you. I showed that so I could make sure everyone's awake on Saturday morning. Um, so I also wanted to show that quickly because it's actually a campaign that was done after the film premiered at a festival to do a DIY distribution campaign. So they didn't get a traditional distributor to pick up the film. The movie was obviously fully financed from other sources. Um, but they did do this campaign so that he can himself release the film. He raised $179,000 so that he can do a 10-city tour with the film and they're going to do you know a lot of eventizing of the of the actual screenings and kind of bring together all the people who contributed to this campaign so an example of you know not a traditional like raising funds for production campaign and that you can do things all over the map you want to yeah sure so um let's see oh switch back back. thank you um yeah so this is just actually just like a compilation of a bunch of project videos and sort of give you a sense of like the the sort of arc of a project video that could work. Um, so this is like, you know, 20 different projects combi- combined into one um, to show you also that um, you can convey a lot in, in sort of two, two to three minutes. Um, and so here we go. Hello. Hi. Hello. Hi. What's up, people? Hi. <laughs> hey. Hello. I thought we were going to do hello. Hi. I love your new shoes. Are those new shoes? Hi, my name is Raquel. Uh, yeah. And I could go on, but this is a Kickstarter campaign video, and I haven't even told you what my project is yet. <laughs> so the idea is this. I'm writing a book. A feature film. Stop motion animation. Sci-fi music video album. Woo! Like you will actually be able to buy a tour dress that they themselves designed. I want to make a new graphic novel, and I want you to get some original art. This time I decided to write things that were more lyrical. I hope to make something strange and unique for you to enjoy. I made a film called Codependent Lesbian Space Alien Seek Same. Right now, I'm sitting on over 200 hours of incredible footage. I'd like your help. Cut out all that extraneous stuff, all those extraneous costs, and get to the point, which is simply more art in front of more people. The last piece of the puzzle is going to be you. We cannot do this without you. We can't. We need you to be a part of this. This is a collaborative experience. If you back this Kickstarter project, you will be cool and everybody will like you. I want to make a show that you don't just watch. Something unpredictable, strange, and maybe even amazing. So let's do this thing. I'm really excited for this. I think that this is worth doing. Thank you so much. Thanks for watching our Kickstarter video. Let's go make a story. We can make it together. So as you can see, I mean, it's a short video. You get a sense of the people that, you know, are behind the creative project. They're very human, sometimes they're very awkward, um, but you know the point is that you kind of get a feel for who it is behind the work. Um, you know, I think a big question that we, you probably get a lot too is, you know, do I have to be sitting in front of the camera? Because, you know, as a filmmaker, you're just 
most of the time people are just much more happy to be on the other side of the camera um, than sitting in front of it. Um, I think that, you know, you don't necessarily have to do it like all these projects, um, but to have a clear sense of the person who is creating this is really important. Um, to ask, you know, the internet and um, hopefully, you know, a, an audience that you don't yet uh, have contact with to support a project, you should really um, be able to show them who it is that um, they're supporting um, and sort of relay some confidence that, you know, there is a human being behind this and that this is going to be sort of a connection that you'll have with that person. Um, so, yeah, you don't have to be sitting in front of the camera if you feel, like, really anxious about it. Um, but I think there are creative ways of making sure that your voice is certainly heard on your project page. Yeah, to echo Liz, I think the most important thing is authenticity. You just want to – people give to people, not necessarily projects. So you want to be able to kind of show people your passion for this and why you're the person that they should be contributing to so that you can make this project and why you're the person to make this project. So. Maybe that's a good segue into rewards, too. Yes. Um, I can um, skip through. So what I like so much about the rewards um, section on a project page is that it really can provide a window for people to access um, your story that you're telling in a deeper way than just sort of seeing the film. Um, you're able to, you know, create an experience or design sort of um, extra materials that um, deepen that um, understanding and engagement and, uh, you know, level of intimacy with either the story or the creative team behind who's telling the story. Um, I personally don't um, think that, like, the world needs more keychains or, like, <laughs> things like that. So, like, for me, like, the, the projects that are offering... Um, unique experiences that are sort of one of a kind, whether that's, um, you know, we, we can go into some specific examples um, with our case studies, but, you know, uh, if it's like a, an author, you know, what's that author's top 10 list of favorite books that influenced their life? You know, stuff that's, that, you know, isn't necessarily going to be part of the project, but is kind of an interesting window into the subject of the film or um, creative pursuit. So this is what we see on Kickstarter, at least, that um, $25 is the most common pledge. Um, in film, this is often a digital copy of the film, whether that's a streaming link or download. Um, we say that five to seven rewards is sort of the ideal number. This can really scale depending on the goal size and um, what it is that you're offering. I think the the main takeaway here is that you want to have sort of a spread of different entry points for people who are able to give at different levels, but you're um, you don't really want to overwhelm people with like a crazy number of choices. Um, and a hundred bucks is what we see to be the, sort of the last big ish smallish tier that like some people can still access and it really can generate a, a lot of money um do we want to toggle back and forth or do you want me to keep going keep going i mean 
It's the same on Indiegogo. So this is a crowdfunding industry standard for those. So th this is a this is a, an example um, uh, that I like to point out for rewards. Um, I don't know if that's too small for you guys to see, but um, in any case, it's just sort of to show the range, like why the range of um, reward levels is important. This is a documentary on a ballet dancer. Um, the $25 uh, reward tier is the download of the film. Um, it, it accounts for 37% of the backers, so it's obviously like a really important one for generating the community of people that's coming together to support it. Um, but as you, um, you know, get higher in the reward tiers, by the $250 mark, you'll see that it's only 8% of the backers, but it is the largest percentage of money. So I think, you know, having a um, thoughtful reward at every level, um, what's pretty cool about this one is that, you know, with the $250 level, you'll get um, an invitation to a private rehearsal with the subject of the film. So, like, having very unique uh, personal moments with, with the film and, and with your team um, are really, really important sort of at every, at every level. But this is to sort of show you that um, it's both about the dollars and, and the number of people that you're able to access and sort of having that, that range is, is really important. Um, this was a this was an example of a documentary that I really thought um, did a lovely job with um, creating content that was based off of the filmmaker's relationship with the story he was telling. This is a documentary about my, uh, Micronesian citizens that serve in the U.S. Army. Um, it's kind of an unusual subgroup of the veteran community, and um, he spent quite a bit of time living there um, and took an, a ton of really beautiful photographs. So at $35, he made an ebook of full color print of photos of those pictures that he had been taking for the last um, several years. And like at a higher re reward level, he was able to do sort of a full print book, um, but to make it sort of available um, digitally at a lower level is still like a really nice way to offer um, that work without, you know, breaking the bank and trying to deliver something that um, is going to be, you know, kind of expensive to put together. Yeah, just just to note about this one, there's a lot of value in it for $35. Like, you're getting really amazing, unique images and a book and a download of the film. So just, I know a lot of people focus on, like, the higher tier reward levels. Um, you know, what am I going to, how am I going to get people to buy $1,000 $2,000, $5,000, $10,000, but really focusing on adding value for the lower levels, I, you know, sometimes gets overlooked, um, but the idea is obviously you want a lot of people to give small amounts of money, um, so making sure you have enough value in, a per in the lower level perks, um, I think is really important to think about, and don't just, you know, automatically go to the download of the movie, you know, social media shout out, like try and add as much unique value that's personalized to your film that you can. I, that's like, yeah, so, so true. <laughs> um, it's, it's, it's so nice too, because I mean, especially depending on who your audience is, um, 
you know, maybe it is a maybe it is a film project that you think will speak to, you know, a very small number of people that will be able to give it a high level. In which case, you know, it's good to make sure you have your bases covered for the higher tiered. But like, I'd say the majority of projects that um, I work with closely um, are really speaking to. Either you know other documentary filmmakers are, that are part of their community and you know also strapped for cash and making their own thing, so they're not going to be giving it really really high levels. Or you know certain audiences, maybe it's um, younger you know people in college that aren't going to be able to just spend like thousands of dollars on a Kickstarter project. So really like knowing your audience and knowing kind of what their spending capabilities are, um, and most often that's not tons um so um the so there's sort of like this is the third part of of what we say are kind of the the core tenets of what to think about when you're putting together a project the first you know obviously is the project video the second being the rewards and the third being the project updates um, oh, wait, I just quickly want to add something on perks before we move on. Um, to always think about fulfillment. So it's something that kind of ends up being an afterthought. Um, I'm going to offer all these things, and we'll kind of deal with it later. Make sure you budget for it. And when you're thinking about perks, to say, like, okay, if you're going to offer physical goods, you know, maybe you don't want to offer a mug because those are heavy and expensive to ship. Um, maybe you're going to offer a tote bag instead because it's light and easy to ship. Um, so try and think about it in that way. Think about the future. Are you going to have to order a lot of units of something? Is it, you know, how much is international shipping going to cost? Really kind of break it down beforehand. I know it's really boring and requires Excel and not very fun. But um, <laughs> it's something you will pay for later if you don't think about it in advance. So that's also why it's a good idea to kind of focus on, you know, very personalized stuff, experiences, digital stuff that you're not going to have to ship. So do you want to switch back? <laughs> Um, so with project updates, this is something that um, you can use during your campaign while it's live and then also after the fact. So it's kind of like a blog and newsletter rolled into one, and it can be a really effective tool to um, communicate exciting things that are happening as your project is live, um, whether that is sort of anecdotal um, pieces of information from, you know, uh, exciting um, articles that have been written about your project being out in the world or um, developments within your team um, about, you know, a, the shooter securing a location or something sort of specific to the creation of um, the film. Uh, and it, it can also be used as a way to sort of drive momentum. Um, you know, you can introduce new rewards during your campaign, so this could be a nice way of saying, okay, now available is this exclusive thing um, to sort of get people excited and continually sort of like plugged into what you're doing. Um, we typically recommend, you know, doing like one, maybe two a week, but not really any more than that because you don't really want to spam people, but you do kind of, you do want to keep people in the loop, so there's sort of a fine balance there. Um, and so I just pulled up a couple of examples. Um, this is a this is an example of um, a reward that um, sorry an update that is 
talking about their rewards being fulfilled. Um, and actually, that it says the Viking of Six Ave. Um, that is um, a video of these T-shirts and uh, tote bags being screen printed, and it's just a really cool little um, excerpt. And it's nice to see that you know they're they're making what it is that they said they were going to do for the rewards. That's an example of the tote bag underneath it. Um, it was just like a cool little um, update after the fact. And same with this one. Um, this is like one of my favorite uh, projects. It's a documentary about um, s these two kids, Sam and Maddie, who are making a zombie film. Um, so this is sort of like a window into the production. Like, oh God, like these... <laughs> this picture is really frightening, actually, but it's like these babies covered in blood. But um, but anyway, um, you get kind of a sense of what's been going on since you contributed. And I love all, like, I just find Sam and Maddie to be the most charming, wonderful kids on the planet. So every update that I get from them, I'm super excited because it's always some weird picture or video of, of what they're doing and creating. Um, so, you know, part of my joy in backing that project is really getting these um, little snippets of info um, about like what's going on in, in Sam and Maddie's world. And uh, this is another co good example of sort of how to use um, project updates as a way to um, connect with people uh, well after your project is funded. This is I Am Big Bird, which is a documentary about Carol Spinney, who created Big Bird and Oscar the Grouch, and um, just sort of giving us a sense of you know what all, what all has been going on for the film, like where is it in the in the world, um, how is it being um, received, uh, and sort of like you know where can we see it going forward. Um, it, and it's sort of just like you feel like you're part of part of the family. You know, they're just sort of checking in and telling you how things are coming along. So, um, as a supporter of this, it's it's really fun to to see um, it out in the world. Should we keep? Oh, all right, all right. So, um, most importantly, and I think this is what we'll end up spending some more time on. Um, actually, before I continue, does anybody have any questions so far? Yeah. Yeah, it's a good point. Yeah. So, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so who is eligible? Um, are certain, you know, countries, how does it all work? Um, for our platforms, it's actually a little bit di uh, different. Kickstarter specifically is open to um, most of Europe, uh, North America, Australia, and New Zealand um, for people to create projects. Um, anybody around the world is able to back projects, but um, only certain countries around the world. Um, you, you, you essentially all you need is a, um, a bank account and a address. So we, while we do have projects that sort of launch all over the world, they if it's in countries or territories, you know, like in South America or other places that we aren't open yet, um, 
oftentimes those projects have like co-productions based in Europe or in the U.S. or Canada um, that enable them to be able to launch projects. So, you know, we're not open in Central and South America, but we've had over 16, um, 1,600 film projects launched from that region, for example. Uh, for our platform, we're open in every country that the we don't have the U.S. doesn't have an embargo with, so you can't run a campaign from Cuba or North Korea or Venezuela, but you can run a campaign from anywhere else um, with a bank account in that country. So. Any other questions so far? Yeah, in the middle. So the question is, um, for the pro for project videos, do you um, need to introduce yourself and your background and filmography and yeah, um, it's there's no hard requirement on that. Um, I like I, I I do really think that it's important to give people a sense of your work and. Um, you know, if you're a first-time filmmaker, maybe that's sort of giving um, people a sense of your voice and your vision and your, um, you know, interest in why you're putting together the film that you're putting together. Um, if you're, if you've made a couple of past films, um, you can definitely string together a sort of couple, you know, a couple of scenes to give the aesthetic of the type of work that you do. But in, in any scenario, I think that it is really important to give people a sense of sort of the author behind the work. Um, and you can do that in whatever style um, sort of speaks best to your voice. Yeah, I think it's it's never the time to be humble when you're doing your pitch video. You definitely want to show people what you've done and how awesome it is and why they should contribute to your next project. So if you have stuff that you've done before, whether it's a film or a commercial or a short film, definitely talk about it, show clips from it, um, show people why why you're a great filmmaker. what percentage of the video should it be? Um, yeah, I mean, you don't want it to be the whole video. So it's really up to your discretion how much, you know, I don't know what your background is, but you definitely want to kind of give the, the showreel highlights of your background and try and keep it as concise and exciting as possible, basically. Any other questions? Yeah. So um, the questions are, uh, what's the success rate of projects? And um, 
the examples that we've shown have seemed to be a bit quirky and um, how do uh, more serious or less sort of idiosyncratic projects do on the sites. Um, so we have a 40% success rate. Um, yeah, um, as we measure success differently, obviously, because we do flexible funding. So there's no like hard number um, because, you know, for us, if somebody makes 90% of their goal, we still view it as a success. Um, you asked specifically about Africa, correct? Okay. If you email me, Af I don't have that number offhand, obviously, <laughs> um, but if you email me, I could kind of send you, and I'm sure we both can send you, um, a breakdown of Africa. We also post um, all of our stats online, and they're updated every day. So if you just go to Kickstarter, if you Googled Kickstarter stats, you'll see um, on a day-to-day -day basis, like dollars raised and breakdowns and, and success rates and things like that. Um, and, and then in, in terms of kind of, I think you're asking about like a bio doc, a very serious bio doc. Um, yeah, they, you know, I would say all documentaries do do pretty well in crowdfunding as you know as long as you're doing the right things you have a good pitch you have interesting perks the types of things you're going to be able to offer are going to be very different with a bio doc um but i think as long as you're able to kind of reach the audience for that um in those cases like one that i'm thinking off the top of my head that we had is life itself which was steve james documentary on um, roger ebert um which is obviously a very bleak film uh in the film he's dying of cancer and it, and it's it's pretty intense um but you know that has an audience his audience steve james audience very um it's very traditional documentary as well so just being able to tap into the specific audience for it has you know the fact that it's bleak or depressing or you know more straightforward doesn't necessarily mean that it's not going to be able to reach an audience. So it's it's about finding, you gotta find where they are and, and get to them and get them to contribute. Um, you know, it's not necessarily quirky projects that do well. Projects all across the board do well, so. Yeah, and I actually would venture that the majority of documentaries specifically are often like social action or more serious subjects. And, you know, I just had a really, there's a film that's playing here, Welcome to Leith, and it's about, um, a takeover of a, like a attempt of a white supremacist to take over a small town in middle America. Um, and they ran a really successful campaign. But what I thought was so interesting about, you know, their experiences is like, you know, what are the rewards that you're <laughs> offering for white supremacist takeover? Like, it's just crazy. So, you know, you have the control and, and you're able to sort of frame and introduce your project that is relatively sensitive and, um, serious uh and do it in a way that suits your film best um but yeah like there's a really amazing um Maya Angelou bio uh doc that's raising funds right now on Kickstarter and I'd say that those are probably representative of the majority of especially documentaries and we're both going to do a case study after the basic presentation and they're both I would say probably much more in line with what you're thinking, serious subject matter. So you'll see the kind of perks that they offered in the video and stuff like that. Uh, yeah.
So I think that was going to be actually the next thing we got into, which is basically um, the misconception of people doing crowdfunding thinking if you build it, they will come. Um, <laughs> not the case. <laughs> There's a lot of behind-the-scenes work that goes on, and it's a lot of work, and I think we both agree it's a full-time job. <laughs> um, and what goes into that is a lot, you know, social media outreach, and I, we can cover that now if you want. Yeah, or, that's a, what a great Is everyone okay segue. if we jump into that? Cool. can ask your question right after. <laughs> Do you want to switch to your... Do you have it? Um, no, I, I, mine will go into Q&A. So do you oh, mind? okay. Can you switch back to mine? Okay, so pre-launch. Uh, as I mentioned, lots of work, and I would say probably in the same way that it's a lot of work when you're actually making the film, pre-production of a campaign is probably more important than the actual campaign. <laughs> um, you're going to set yourself best up for success by the groundwork that you lay before the campaign launches. So... You really want to line up everything you're going to do. And in some cases, I would say, you know, it could take anywhere from like six weeks to a few months uh, to actually prepare your campaigns to, to the point where you're going to be ready and kind of strategized so that they're, you minimize the risk of surprises <laughs> during the campaign. Um, so a few things to do. You definitely want to form a team. Don't do it by yourself. Um, you know, together you can do it bigger, better, um, and actually mitigate a lot of the work between people on your team. So getting people involved with your actual film or perhaps someone that knows social media very well um, or anyone that's going to help you to actually do the outreach, do the social, update the actual page. Maybe they help you with the videos. Anything you can get um, that people are going to help you run the day-to-day -day, uh, is going to be better than you doing it all by yourself. Um, before you launch, you should always know where the first 25 to 30% is going to come from, whether it's your family, friends, colleagues, from your own engaged social media following, um, mailing list, anything like that. You want to kind of tell people that this is happening and let them know and kind of gauge how much you're going to be able to get from that. And that's also going to help you set your goal if you know how much you're going to be able to get from your inner circles, friends, family, whatever it might be. Um, you have an urgent question? <laughs> oh, sure. It's going to vary campaign to campaign, obviously, but that's I think, a universal crowdfunding stat. Would you agree? Um, because people, you know, if you think about it in the terms of a restaurant, you don't go into an empty restaurant unless you know the owner. Um, what happens when a restaurant opens? They do a soft opening with a friends and family where they bring everyone, and ideally those people are going to tell other people to go to that restaurant. Um, so the same thing with a campaign. Strangers don't just contribute to a campaign with zero dollars just because they like it. People want to be associated with successful stuff, which is why, you know, getting people to contribute in the beginning, people that you know are going to contribute no matter what, and compelling them to contribute in the beginning is going to fuel those stranger dollars, basically, um, for that reason. People want to be associated with campaigns that other people are interested in and that other people are, you know, going to be successful. So that's why that that percent that's kind of an average I mean you know I've seen campaigns with like one percent friends and family and then like 95 percent friends and family but that's kind of a 
just something to work off of where, you know, if you get that 25 to 30% committed, you know that you're more, you're more likely to hit your goal in that way. I don't know if you have anything to add. Yeah, I mean, it's a good question, and it's one that we get asked all, quite a lot. Um, and, you know, it, it, the reason why it does vary so much is just that, well, one, audiences for certain films just really differ, and sometimes there are audiences for a specific film that really are active online and engaged with the subject in a way that you're able to really tap into and sort of speak to that community really specifically and find them and if they're you know a certain subgroup like you know we have a film that has run multiple projects for the same film and it's every time just expands the number of people that are backing it and it's about you know indie game gamers and these people are online engaged totally with it like totally understood kickstarter since like day one and um, that campaign is almost all strangers to the project creator. You know, a, a super personal project that, um, you know, is as important, certainly, but maybe has, like, less of a specific targeted audience that you can tap into is going to have just such a different dynamic on the project page. Um, so it just really varies. Like, I... Like, 30% is, is what we say is the average, but, like, it's just such a strange statistic because it is just so different from campaign to campaign. It's just a benchmark, really, to go off of um, just to ensure, you know, as it says, don't leave your campaign to chance. Don't just think it's going to happen. Um, try and lay that groundwork before you actually launch. And, you know, if you have those people committed, you're, more, you're that much more likely to get closer to your goal. Email. Email is the largest converter, at least on Indiegogo. Um, putting something into someone's inbox, whether it's a newsletter, a mail merge, a personalized email, the pers more personal the better. Um, people are going to click on that. You get it directly to them. They don't actually have to go to Indiegogo.com or Kickstarter.com. You're getting it right to their inbox. They can click on it and go to your campaign. Um, so being... Uh, Making that as personal as possible, I know it's very easy to do like a MailChimp, but if you can customize that as much as you possibly can, people are much more inclined to actually respond to it if you're addressing them not as a group, but directly to them. Uh, I even tell people to put in a line like, I hope your daughter's doing well, or something related to them so that they think it's, it's very targeted to them. Social media. Now... Very important. <laughs> I know for a lot of filmmakers, this is a difficult one because outside of Facebook, and oddly enough, uh, Facebook, Twitter, you know, now we see Instagram, we see Tumblr, all these things kind of playing a role in a crowdfunding campaign. For us, it's 28% usually of a campaign. Yeah, it's, it's pretty significant for sure. This... Um, outside of email is going to be your biggest converter. So 
starting to actually build it toward a crowdfunding campaign way before you actually launch. So start putting information about the film, stuff related to the topic, um, making it fresh, keep it interesting. Um, don't just spam people, contribute, 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 contribute. They're going to drown it out and probably block you from their newsfeed. Um, really try and keep it interesting so that it's relevant and that people keep coming back. Um, keep you know video content, photo content, um, any you know articles that are related that you can share, just trying to keep it as fresh as possible so that um, people stay interested. How many of you guys are actively on social media? Right, well, actually, let me... We let got me one. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I should be more specific. So if you guys, how many of you guys are like posting regularly on Facebook? And Solid. Are, are you posting about your work? Are you post, uh, how many of you guys are posting about your work? Okay, cool, cool. And... Is it your personal pages, or do you have film pages specifically? Both. Okay. And um, how about for Twitter? Less. Yeah. Always less. I mean, for um, Kickstarter, we see actually Facebook being much um, higher on average as a converter than Twitter. I think that's probably just due to the fact that Twitter is so ephemeral and, um, you know, Facebook, you can like tag a bunch of people as part of it, and it can kind of organically sort of stick and spread a little bit. Yeah, the one thing about Facebook also, super great. You have the ability to access a lot of people, a lot of different groups, a lot of organizations through Facebook. But the thing about Facebook is they make it really difficult for you to reach as many people without paying for it. Um, so that's why Twitter is actually nice. Um, I personally am probably not you know, the best at Twitter, but if you can master it, it's great because you don't actually have to pay to reach people, whereas on Facebook, you have to pay to promote your post, you have to place ads um, in order to reach the followers that you've actually garnered. So um, it's a little more of a gamed system, um, and if you can game it, that's great. But um, Twitter, if you can figure it out, can be a great asset just because it's free. So... Um Finding your audience is kind of like a major topic. Um, I think that um, it's probably, you know, aside from setting up a really beautiful project page, it's like the, the most important part of what you're going to get out of a um, crowdfunding experience. Um, and I think that there's a lot of interesting ways of approaching it, but um, just to sort of get, like, specific, um, you know, there's a handful of projects that I think have done this really well. Um, one of which is a documentary that played um, at a handful of festivals, I believe last year, or maybe it was the year before now, um, called An Honest Liar. And it's a documentary about a magician, um, the amazing Randy. Um, and I sat down with filmmakers afterwards. They ran a really successful campaign. They had, you know, well over... I believe $200,000 um, raised. And what they did was they knew that they were going to run a campaign um, maybe even like a year before they did it. This is not a requirement, but it was a really interesting conversation to sit down with them and have. And essentially, um, they knew that their core audience really would split into four main 
verticals. Um, they knew that they were going to be able to tap into a group of people that are interested in like the magician world. Um, they knew that there was a group of people um, that were very active online that were big fans of the subject of the film specifically, this guy Randy. Um, the film also explores the fact that um, The Amazing Randy uh, came out very late in life as uh, homosexual, so they were able to um, talk about that in the in the context of sort of LGBTQ, and um, and so they were able to sort of split their audience. And when they did that, um, they ran their Kickstarter their project for four weeks. Each week, they focused on one specific group. So they found organizations, they like community groups online, whether that's um, forums. Or you know news, uh, sorry, like yeah, news organizations or blogs or things like that, where um, people are actively speaking about and engaging with these ideas or interests. Um, and every week they they really targeted that one vertical and just sort of that's how they ended up um, organizing their whole thing. And I think that that really speaks to the fact that um, getting specific and thinking about what your message is um, in very targeted ways is super important. Like the internet is just actually like a sea of like niche groups. And so the one size fits all ends up just not reaching anybody. Um, so as, as targeted and specific as you can get, the better. So yeah, anything you wanna add I'm to that? I'm good with that. Um, <laughs> And so um, I'll pull up a case study of um, a project that's here at IDFA. Um, it's Stanley Nelson's uh, Black Panther's Vanguard of a Revolution. How many of you guys have heard of this doc? It's incredible. If, if you get a chance to see it here, please go check it out. Um, but... Uh, what I wanted to share with you for this one is it's an it's an example of um, kind of using Kickstarter as a tool to expand past the traditional methods of distribution. They had a successful um, festival run; they're sort of still in that. Um, but uh, what they wanted to do was bring the film to an audience that expands beyond the crowds that are able to have the festival pass and go sit in in uh, a theater in like you know Park City at Sundance or you know here at IDFA um, yeah here's the here's their project page they wanted to bring this film to audiences in cities across the US that um, are actively facing issues of racial inequality in like very public, very big ways. You know, places like Baltimore, like Ferguson, Missouri, like Detroit. Um, you know, places that quite honestly don't end up ever really seeing um, indie documentaries in their theaters in the first place. So, I just thought this was kind of a nice thing. Um, this is Kathleen Cleaver. Uh, in 1976, um, and also at the Sundance Film Festival, <laughs> um, they had like oh, they had a, just a ton of really wonderful um, images uh, throughout their project campaign. Um, I wanted to play you his project video just to give you a sense of how he 
decided to to present the film and kind of like who he was and and why he was on Kickstarter. So I'll play that for you guys now. Hi, I'm Stanley Nelson, the director of the new film, The Black Panthers, Vanguard of the Revolution. It's the first comprehensive look at the rise and fall of the Black Panther Party. The Panthers came into being when I was 15 years old, and like so many people, I was fascinated by the Black Panther Party. If you were a young black man living in the city anywhere, you wanted to be like this. You wanted to dress like this, you wanted to act like this, you wanted to talk like this, you wanted to be this. It's a standard of aggressiveness, of militance, of, uh, of just forcefulness, that, uh, the sort of standard we haven't had in the past. But figuratively speaking, you're not about to become a panther. No, not uh, today or tomorrow at any rate, maybe the day after. The film premiered at the Sundance Film Festival in January and was the opening night film at Doc Fortnite at the Museum of Modern Art in New York and at the Pan-African Film Festival in Los Angeles. It's really important that, that the Black Panthers vanguard of the revolution uh, reaches a wider audience. You know, this is a very select audience at a Sundance. You know, it's a great audience, but it's a select audience. Not everybody can come to, to Sundance. So one of the things we want to do is reach a wider audience because we feel that this is a, a film that, that is really about young people, about young people, uh, you know, deciding that they wanted to make change. I am, I am. a revolutionary. Revolutionary. I am. The Black Panthers' Vanguard of the Revolution will be released in theaters in eight cities this fall. But we don't have enough money to cover the complete costs of advertising and prints. That's why we're asking for your help. We hope to raise $50,000 in 30 days. If we raise more, then we can go to additional cities. We need your support to bring this film to the big screen. We have some great gifts that we're offering for your participation. All donations are tax deductible. You can make a donation, you can share this link, or you can tell a friend. Now here's the trailer for the Black Panthers' Vanguard of the Revolution. The thing that led to the Panthers was what we were seeing on television every day, attack dogs, fire hoses, bombings. We stand on the eve of a black revolution, brothers. I was a cocktail waitress in a white strip club two years before I joined the Black Panther Party. How did that happen? The rage was in the streets. It was everywhere. I say that Ronald Reagan is a punk, a sissy, and a coward. I challenge you to a tour. Eldridge had this incredible ability to encapsulate a thought that stabbed right into the heart of the enemy. Now, was he insane? Yeah. That boy was crazy. They were trying to change government as we know it through terrorist uh, activity. The state assembly was in the midst of a heated debate when the young Negroes, armed with loaded rifles, shotguns, and pistols, marched into the Capitol. Do you feel the nation is in trouble? I think very definitely it is. What is the answer? The answer is vigorous law enforcement. How about justice? Justice is merely incidental to law and order. The FBI saw the Panthers as a very, very threatening and violent revolutionary movement. They absolutely wanted this organization to be destroyed. I felt absolutely free. I was a free Negro. 
In that little space I had, I was the king. And that's what I felt. The great strength of the Black Panther Party was its ideals and its youthful vigor and enthusiasm. The great weakness of the party was its ideals and its youthful vigor and its enthusiasm. That sometimes can be very dangerous, especially when you're up against the United States government. We need your support in bringing this story to the big screen. We can't do it without you. As the Panthers say, all power to the people. Thanks so much. So, um, what, oh yeah, go ahead. Um, so, yeah, you can have um, products be tax deductible if there is a fiscal sponsor or a nonprofit that's attached to the project. Um, essentially, they act, they are the bank account for the project. Um, and so it happens quite a lot in, in documentary film. Um, he's raising funds specifically to, you know, widen the release of the film. So within our uh, rules, it's totally within the framework, but it, it is going to be tax deductible for people contributing. Um, I think this is a particularly great project video, um, partly because you get a sense of him and his sort of personal relationship to the story that he's telling. You also get, um, it's a really, you know, uh, well told, um, you get a sense of the aesthetic of the film. Um, you also get a sense of why he's coming to Kickstarter, like what the point is, what they're doing with this funds. And um, it feels very sort of seamless in telling in that telling of that narrative. Um, we, we often see people sort of attaching the trailer into their project video like he's done here. Um, I think that it can be really effective. I think that also you don't necessarily need to do that. Um, but in any case, um, I, I think that he sort of, yeah, sort of seamlessly weaves in his personal connection to this movement um, and shows you a lot of really interesting and compelling images in the story that he tells. Do you do want to play a different one? or Sure. Do you want to just go through the whole thing and then I'll just go through mine? Sure, sure. And stuff? Yeah. So to give you a sense of kind of what they were offering in terms of rewards, um, the $15 uh, level had 77 backers. Um, it's just sort of a, like... Uh, thank you. It's like essentially a thank you with um, the film's uh, finished transcripts and footnotes and sort of other sort of behind the scenes materials that you wouldn't necessarily have access to. Um, at $50, you had a chance to be able to actually go see the film. Um, and so he actually had quite a few of these $50 levels because he did it. Um, he did different cities, and he um, he made them limited in the number of seats. So uh, it says it says it's like all gone. It's because he only made three available, and he just did it for like a bunch of screenings that he added. Um, here's an example of a project update that they wrote. Um, 
you know, I think that it's just a, it, it's a lot of the updates. Did any of you guys back this project? A lot of a lot of the updates that I've been getting in my inbox have been sort of them on the road, um, and it's pretty incredible to see all these members of Black Panther uh, Party, you know, in varying cities uh, across the country together showing this incredible body of work. Um, and, you know, he continued to show varying articles and pieces of news that are um, unfolding since the film's release and being out there. Um, they're also able to share... Um, updates on sort of current events that are relevant to the subject of the film um, and, uh, you know, obviously relevant to the audience that would be contributing to this um, as people who are engaged with this as a subject. Um, so it's also been kind of a fascinating window and sort of news feed into this as an uh, area of focus and not just, you know, the film. Um, this is just sort of more uh, of what we've been saying, just sort of a recap of, of the projects. Cool. Yeah. We can skip. Thank you. Okay, guys. So my case study is Driving with Selvi, which is here at IDFA. Um, this film ran a campaign about a year ago um, in partnership with Doc Canada, which is one of our partnerships. Uh, they raised $49,000, $49,900 on a $30,000 goal initially. Um, and this campaign actually recently opened back up um, into our in-demand program, which I'll explain in a second, and has raised an additional $3,200 in the last week or so. Um, so here's the pitch video. Do you like me? I like you very much. Why? 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 Because you have a very good personality. My personality? <laughs> My name is a driver. I'm a driver. I'm a driver. I'm a driver. I'm a I'm Eliza, the filmmaker behind Driving with Selvi. It's a feature-length documentary which I began shooting in India 10 years ago. Child brides, human trafficking, rape culture, infanticide. This is what we're hearing from the media about India today. Far too often, these women are portrayed as victims. But this perspective fails to take into account the incredible courage and power that these individuals exhibit. We are very happy to uh, have Selvi, the wonderful, beautiful Selvi, here with us today. Selvi, I wanted to ask, how has the film impacted you and 
do you think this film can be used to inspire many more idu nodi ide stage ge yavin when the film gets over i would like that this film is widely shown all over the world so that no other selvi will be hesitant to come forward like i did plan is to screen the film to a million viewers all over India in the very first year. We'll launch this grassroots screening series with a 10-day bus tour across South India with Selvi at the wheel. We also have plans to start a driving school for women in Mysore. I know these goals are ambitious, but I also know they are possible. But we can't do anything until we finish the film. and that's where we need your support. Selvi and I have been working for 10 years and we cannot wait to share this film with the world. So thank you very much. This initial the initial campaign which was a year ago uh was for post production for the film uh in advance of its festival premiere. Um so some of the perks that they were offering kind of run the spectrum of all the different things you could offer. So we have digital digital items uh such as digital download of the film, uh also a album download of meditation and yoga music which kind of ties in with themes of the movie. um physical goods now she didn't really do like you know manufactured t-shirts or bags or anything like that she did very specific one-off unique stuff uh like a handmade tote bag um that there were a limited amount of and also a goodie bag of stuff that was made in india soaps incense um bracelets things like that that were very kind of close to the indian themes of the movie recognition uh handwritten notes from selvi herself um something i see a lot of um and i think they're really nice and personal to the film and in many cases where you have a handwritten postcard from set um photos with a note on it stuff that doesn't cost you guys much money just a little bit of time that really goes a long way because it has a personal connection to you and your backers um and experiential so on on a kind of lower end uh they did a live performance of a musician named her Sarah Hammer in Toronto. Um this actually sold out and they had a big uh in-house performance um and fundraiser during the campaign. Um so that's kind of a way to actually, you know, use a perk during the campaign to also promote the campaign um for more backers. Um and then on the higher end you actually got to join for $3500 go on the 10-day bus tour in India with the team um and Selvi. promotion. So this campaign's also obviously kind of a very personal story, um but they were able to reach I believe 1100 backers. Um so how they were able to do that was the filmmaker Elisa um from the beginning started a program where she searched for ambassadors and actually put together a PDF kit with photos shareable images that you can see here um for social media and actually pre-wrote tweets, Facebook posts that people could use so to actually kind of make it seamless for people to be able to post stuff about the film, to share it, to email it, that kind of stuff and sent them out to all of her ambassadors to then share with their followings. 
Um, and then she was able to get some press, so they did some interviews with BBC, CBC, and uh, also this uh, live um, event that they did as a kind of in-person fundraiser, so kind of stepping away from the internet for once, uh, behind the screen and actually getting in front of people, kind of counterintuitive, but um, it's a way to kind of spread the word and, and get that face-to-face connection if you're compelling people to support a campaign in person, they're probably more likely to do it than if you're asking them digitally. Uh, so I mentioned in-demand. Um, so we, since January, we've allowed campaigns that have been successful to actually keep their campaign open for as long as they want, um, forever if you want. Um, so Driving with Selvi actually opened up her campaign two weeks ago and actually changed the entire positioning now because obviously the film is done. Uh, so now they're going to run a social impact campaign where they're going to screen this film for um, girls and women in India, ideally to kind of spread this word of breaking away from child marriages and kind of um, suppressing abusive homes and showing them that there is a path outside of this and that you can, you know, kind of a very strong women's message. So she has now raised $3,000 in the last, uh, she just opened back up, I believe, November 10th. So if you want to contribute and help girls in India see the film, you can still contribute if you want. Um, And so that's kind of shifted the focus of the film now to... Uh, being able to spread the word throughout India. And that's that. Yeah. Um, the, the the question is, um, if if there are sort of sensitive subjects in the film, uh, that it wouldn't make sense to really be very transparent about the the actual content of the film because it might put what you're doing in jeopardy or the subjects in jeopardy. Um, we it is kind of a it's it is a really good question. We've had a couple. Um, Racing Extinction that's actually playing here ran a Kickstarter project um, and it was kind of a similar situation where um, this is the team that also um, made The Cove um, and uh, very similarly they were like well um, we made The Cove and um, we are doing something similar we can't really talk about it um, right now but um, if you are interested in the work that we've done in the past, we think you would be um, interested in this. It's loosely based on these ideas, and that was kind of what they said. Um, it's tricky because we do really ask people to be very transparent, and so what they did was sort of leaned on their past work, which doesn't isn't easy for everybody to do because not everybody has just already produced the Cove. Um, so... Um, it is tricky. Um, we have had projects like there's a really amazing documentary called Terror, you know, T with the parentheses, Error, 
Um, and they raised a campaign, um, sorry, they raised uh, money on Kickstarter, but it was for, it was after the film was sort of out in the public and, and released, and it was actually to cover um, an insane errors and omissions um, insurance to release it widely. Uh, they had, like, you know, a fairly substantial um, higher insurance quote than even Citizen Four uh, to release that. So, you know, they they also it was an interesting case study because they were like, you know, who's going to care about contributing for insurance? Like, insurance is literally the most boring thing on earth. Um, but what was interesting about that campaign and what that campaign really became was, you know, in order to have these kinds of films being made um, and in order to be able to release them to the general public. Um, you just need to have there, this is what this process looks like and if you want to support this kind of filmmaking um, please help us so I think that the, it is kind of tricky I don't know that um, running a really public campaign for a very sen- sensitive or um, you know behind the scenes uh, for at least for a while um, makes total sense I think that it's smart to think about timing and um, maybe it is something that you would do after the fact um, I would actually sort of caution against doing a, a Kickstarter project for a film that you think that there's even a slight chance it would jeopardize the story that you're telling or the subjects in it I just said a lot. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> yeah, I'll echo that. Um, I've worked with a few filmmakers um, who were going to do campaigns for very sensitive subjects um, in their kind of production phase, and we actually advised against it um, just because I think you're going you're gonna to be able to show more and talk about it more once you've actually shot the movie. One example is actually here. It's called A Sinner in Mecca, uh, where the filmmaker was actually shooting in Saudi Arabia in Mecca. Um, which is actually illegal in the country. So had he been discovered because of this campaign, he wouldn't have been allowed, allowed back into that country um, at all. So he actually ran a campaign after the fact, um, and that's w- what we've kind of run into, is you're going to have more success if you're able to actually talk about what you're doing. <laughs> um, it's going to be a lot easier for, for you guys. So, Yeah. Um, so the question is, I think, uh, is um, how much time um, before you launch a campaign should you spend preparing for the project? Um, this, uh, honestly, you can prepare for a Kickstarter project for forever. Um, so it's kind of what you feel like most confident, like you've really put in your your legwork in, in um, preparing. I'd say like at least... You know, there's no hard rule, but, like, at least give yourself um, a handful of weeks to really, really um, think about where your audience is and how you're going to find them. And if you have more time than that, the better. Um, And sort of in terms of the duration of the campaign on Kickstarter, we recommend just about 30 days as being sort of the most successful amount of time to run a project. Yeah, it's also going to depend on on how kind of developed your audience is already. If you're starting from scratch in terms of everything, so social media, you know, outreach, uh, anything like that, uh, it's going to take you longer, of course. Uh, If you already have a lot of those established, that lead time is definitely going to be cut down. Um, But you definitely want to figure out 
what's going to be an adequate amount of time for me to do all of that and lay the groundwork so that when I launch, you know, I'm set up best for success. Um, so we both take 5%, uh, same. We actually, for flexible funding, we recently changed our funding structure. It used to be that you paid more. Uh, if you did not hit your goal, it's actually 5% across the board now. So, And then hiring someone. Um, I didn't quite mean to say hire someone, but just uh, to get team members on board that ideally will do it in kind. Uh, you know, I scratch your back, you scratch mine. Um, people that are adept at social media or have done a crowdfunding campaign before that could kind of advise you or help. There are people who do hire people, like campaign managers or social media people on their campaign. I wouldn't recommend it unless you're trying to go for a really, really large amount. I personally think that anybody can do this, and I've had filmmakers who raise you know, $200,000 without hiring anybody. So it's totally possible if you're willing to dedicate the time to doing this with your team. Um, there are people you can hire uh, who will run your day-to-day -day if you're too busy. Um, and if you need recommendations, I'm sure we can give those. But for the most part, I think you know, a filmmaker can learn how to do this themselves. Yeah. Oh, uh, sorry. Well, I think Mika, who's here, um, the point of this was really to teach crowdfunding in general, so we don't want to, you know, platform agnostic, really kind of talk about, like, best practices and such. Um, so, like, the biggest differences, I would say, our most known difference is that we offer flexible funding, which I kind of mentioned before. So if you're in a position where, you know, you're able to work with whatever you can get, flexible funding is a great option um, to kind of use that to either fuel other stuff and kind of have that built-in knowledge that you're going to get uh, something out of it. Um, so that's probably a big thing that we're best known for. Um, we have two types of funding, direct credit card and PayPal. Uh, PayPal's a unique Indiegogo thing. Um, and then the in-demand thing I mentioned, where we allow people to actually leave their campaigns open uh, if they're successful. Um, one other big difference is we allow nonprofit tie-ins on the site, so the processing of the tax receipts is done through Indiegogo, um, not separately um, in the other case. Um, and uh, the other big difference is that as I also mentioned before, you can run a campaign from anywhere in the world with your bank account in that country. Um, so that's totally fine. Yeah. Um, I think that, you know, it's, it's, it's really good to do your 
home, like homework. I think that the more platforms that there are, actually, it's just much better because um, just more options means you know we're making you know we're doing our best to serve these communities. Um, and there's actually quite a bit of useful information that people have done to, to compare the two sites, just like in terms of stats and numbers and projects and, and things like that. Um, primarily um, for us, you know, Kickstarter is specifically a home to creative projects exclusively so that um, the community of people that are coming to support projects on Kickstarter know that this is a space for film, for art, for music, for like exclusively these types of things rather than, um, you know, like it, the other platforms are just very open to all sorts of funding. Um, and I think that that, you know, um, on Kickstarter at least creates a very specific uh, community around the projects that are being uh, funded. Um, but yeah, I mean, in terms of sort of the logistics of, um, of numbers and size of, of platforms and things, there's just a lot of really accessible, great uh, studies that have been done, and I encourage everybody to look through all that stuff, but yeah. It's all good. We're in it's an, happened before. We're in an <laughs> arena anyway. It feels that's <laughs> good. So meaning you're funding as you're funding your business. Oh, okay. We have there. So the question is, um, are there sort of businesses that are acting as backers and, and if you can target them and what the strategy kind of is around that? There are businesses that are backing projects. Um, I think, you know, there's there. I mean, it's an interesting proposition to uh, bring to a business. Um, I think that you would have to make sort of a compelling argument why it would make sense for them to support this and how you would help that be visible uh, on your page maybe even. Um, we've seen a handful of businesses supporting projects as a way to sort of keep tabs on like the creative uh, sector in specific uh, categories. Um, we've also seen really random companies that basically, to my knowledge anyway, have like nothing to do with anything creative. So it's kind of just interesting to see them plugging away and backing projects. Um, but it's not like a huge, uh, it's, yeah. it's, it's not the majority of backers by any means. Yeah, I mean, the kind of core purpose of crowdfunding is really trying to reach, you know, your average person to get them to contribute you know, 10, 20 bucks. Um, in terms of businesses, I mean, in my experience, yes, they do contribute, but you really kind of have to work it out beforehand. Like people will say, oh, we have this certain business that's willing to do matching funds, or we have a certain business that, you know, once we reach a certain level, they'll, they'll deposit funds into the account. But it's usually something you've worked out previously. Like, you know, I doubt, you know, Phillips is just randomly uh, trolling the internet to contribute to campaigns. Um, it's usually something that you've worked out previously. 
uh, to either, you know, we did have a campaign once. Um, Don Cheeto ran a campaign for his Miles Davis biopic, Miles Ahead, where Sonos, um, the surround sound system, uh, actually contributed free Sonos players to be sold as perks and also contributed to the campaign. But that was something we, you know, had worked out way beforehand. Um, so that's an example. But it, it's very rare that, you know, you're not targeting businesses specifically. You're targeting people who are a part of a, an audience that are going to contribute to your campaign. But... You, <laughs> we would hope that you don't abuse the process. <laughs> okay. Right, right, right. Yeah, no, exactly. Proving your market value. I mean, I, I, it's probably done a lot more on the hardware technology side than what we do, um, where we see, you know, VCs or, um, you know, companies that will buy things based off of the campaign on a platform. Um, or, you know, financiers who will see it and message you on the side and say, I want to invest, obviously, in an equity form, which is not allowed um, right now on our sites. Uh, so, yeah, you can use it to prove to people that you have an audience and that you have market value, basically. So I actually, that's how I spend the majority of my days with filmmakers, helping them think through their projects. Um, obviously, um, and sort of unfortunately, I'm not able to work with every single one of them. I think there's about 740 live film projects today, um, and I haven't spoken to the majority of them. Um, but uh, it's really in coming to these um, amazing festivals and uh, sort of forums and projects and uh, works in progress programs where um, we have sort of a face-to-face -face contact with them. But anybody can, um, you, well, there's a couple of different things. Um, anybody uh, could write me specifically. Um, I'm just Liz at kickstarter.com. Um, but uh, we also have a film at kickstarter.com. I believe you guys too. Yes, we do as well. Um, that anybody can write to directly, and that just essentially comes to my inbox as well. Um, and uh, the last thing is that anybody who submits a project, regardless if it's film or you know any of the 15 categories, when you submit your project to the site, um, you can write request. There's a request feedback section, and that will um, direct to a human. A human being <laughs> who sits in the office, um, and you can sort of you can even specify what specifically you are looking for in terms of feedback, whether that's with your rewards or your video or whatever it is, um, and that person will write you and um, offer tips, and you can sort of have an exchange there as well. 
Yep, same with us. Uh, it's hard to touch every project. I mean, we try as much as possible. Um, I try and do things like this as much as possible, and also at universities um, and organizations in New York specifically that I can work with their members um, as much as possible and let the people who run those organizations know, like if someone's asking about it, tell them to email me, um, and we can help them to strategize. Most of my day is also kind of talking to filmmakers, producers, and helping them strategize their campaign, giving feedback, all that kind of stuff. Um, I am Kristen at Indiegogo.com. You can also email film at Indiegogo.com or support at Indiegogo.com, and you'll get a human at some point. <laughs> Any Anybody questions? else? Yeah, I mean, I think you know that uh, Europe is a little bit behind in terms of <laughs> awareness. Of, well, now the awareness is coming, but the way you guys fund movies here is very different. You have a lot of government assistance, grants, um, ability to raise funds through traditional sources that filmmakers in America don't necessarily have. If they want to raise money, you have to go to private investors, um, or you kind of just have to go out and do it yourself, uh, which is why crowdfunding, I think, has, has gained such popularity, because people don't just want to sit around and wait for someone to tell them they can make their movie. Um, whereas, you know, traditionally in Europe, there's been so much assistance from different organizations and governments that this way of kind of like going out and promoting yourself hasn't, hasn't totally caught on yet um, on the campaigner side and also contributor side, I think. It's obviously growing. Um, I'm sure on both platforms, international is probably the biggest growth area. Um, so the awareness is catching up. Um, but at the end of the day, America's our largest source of funding. Uh, Two-thirds of our funds come from America. Um, so being able to kind of reach that audience, uh, it's not necessary if you know how to reach your audience in your own country. Um, but those are the people that are much more familiar with how crowdfunding works. And, you know, there's a bit of a lag time in terms of receiving your product and, and that kind of stuff. So um, it's expanding in an exponential rate. But um, at the end of the day, uh, America is kind of, uh, you know, the trailblazer in terms of crowdfunding. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that also just to make it accessible, I, it, it's it's all about just the audience. Like, if it if your audience is really specific to, oh my gosh, I was going to tell you where I went. I I was just in the island of Skimmer Coke, <laughs> um, and if you were doing a documentary there, like maybe it would be less accessible to Americans anyway because I found that maybe I was like the only American on that island uh, yesterday. But I think that, you know, um, just knowing where your audience is just sort of in general, if this is something that sort of has a broad appeal and can really connect to people in the U.S., definitely make sure it's like fully in English, that like um, there are community groups and organizations that you might have reached out to that are based in the states that could help you sort of navigate that, you know, whether it's 
being part of a newsletter that they put out or maybe even just getting advice from them on how to reach those communities. Um, yeah, look into that. And if you want, I can look at your flop campaign and tell you for future what the holes were. <laughs> Are we, we going to shoot that? In the case of the one I mentioned, Sonos, yeah, I mean, basically the advertising was pretty simple. They offered a perk, had their name in it, and showed a picture on the actual campaign page. Uh, the director, Don Cheadle, signed them um, for when they were sold. Um, and that's pretty much it. We didn't do, like, ads or anything like that, anything special. It was all organic to the actual campaign page. Um, the idea is it's a music film, so they wanted to be associated with that film, and, and were able to participate in, in that. So it was pretty straightforward on that. And on Kickstarter, um, we just require that it's not just um, a resale item. So, like, having Don Cheadle, for example, sign those makes it sort of a unique item specific to the campaign. Like, we wouldn't have allowed, um, like, if North Face was a sponsor for, like, a backpacking documentary or something, we wouldn't allow North Face to just put jackets on sale just for the, you know. But if it was, like, a specific document like if it had even just the name of the documentary on the sleeve like that would be okay just because it's specific yeah um thanks so much thank everybody. you guys oh thank you